powerful song reminding us that Jesus Christ is alive. He's risen from the dead. The disciples were having a hard time wrestling with all of that. They'd been through a lot the last few days and weeks leading up to this story that I want us to look at in John 21. Um, it's a breakfast story. The title of the sermon is, is Breakfast and Love. Nutritionists and moms tell us everywhere that breakfast is the most important meal in the day. Now, if you don't like breakfast, you don't think that, but I love breakfast. Now, I eat my oatmeal and my banana and my apple, about nine out of ten of those, but I could eat scrambled eggs, gravy, bacon. I see some of y'all nodding like, oh, hallelujah, I saw it, yeah. I love breakfast and I, I appreciate it, but it is an important day. I want to share a story with you. I think I've shared it before, but it's worth hearing again. Our granddaughter, Madeline, loves to go to Jack's. On her way to church one morning, this was a couple of years ago, so she's about five, five and a half. She and my wife, Lana, which she calls Emmy, they stopped at Jack's to get some biscuits. As they're eating them on the way to church, Madeline asked a very serious question. Emmy, what will we eat when we go to heaven? That's a good question. Lana, I thought, answered it well for a a five-and-a-half-year-old. She said, well, Madeline, I think maybe, maybe we'll eat just whatever our favorite food is. So I thought that was a pretty good answer. Madeline looked at that sausage and biscuit, and she said, I believe it's going to be a Jack sausage and biscuit. Now, don't you know Jacks would love to have a commercial of that? They'd love to buy that. This is one of the greatest breakfast stories ever. The one I'm about to read to you, and it is found in the Bible. I've preached from this text many times. Probably I've preached from John 21 more than any passage in the Bible. And I'll share the significance of that in just a moment. But even when I preach revivals, I'll usually preach one night of that revival. I'll preach a sermon from John 21. I just love this story. And it is a beautiful picture of God meeting His disciples exactly where they're at. Same thing He does for you. Hear the story again in John 21, verses 1 through 18. After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, He showed Himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, The sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Going fishing. They said to him, we're going to go with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus set out to them as he hollered across the water, Hey, children, hey, guys, have you all caught anything? Do you have any food? They answered back, no. Fishermen are the same in every generation. If somebody goes fishing, that's the first question you ask. Do you catch anything? How big are they? Have you weighed him yet? They had not caught anything. They answered back. So the person standing on the shore, whom they still don't recognize in verse 6, hollers out, it's Jesus, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, John's writing this, he said to Peter, it's the Lord. 
And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. And we know they were a little ways out, but just imagine him realizing that it's Jesus. He plunges in the water. He swims. I'm sure when he gets to the shore, he's out of breath. Verse 8, but the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits. They were dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Again, I want to pause and just let you visualize that in your mind, that the Son of God who's risen from the dead has made a campfire. And he's fixing breakfast for these confused disciples. Beautiful picture of God. Jesus said in verse 10, bring some of the fish that you caught. Simon Peter went up and he dragged the net full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. What a great invitation. Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and he took the bread and he gave it to him and likewise the fish. Now, I've never had fish for breakfast. I'm not going for that. But nonetheless, that's what they had in their day and time. Verse 14. Now, this is the third time. The third time that Jesus has showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. Do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, then tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. To me, this is by far one of the most beautiful stories in the entire Bible. And I have shared with you all, and I share again, it is forever deep, deep within my spirit. It's embedded there for the rest of my life, this passage. Because during the time when God was calling me into ministry in 1987, 1988, This was one of three scriptures that God just poured inside my spirit. We have a we had a picture hanging in our den at the time we owned a house in Southside here, and this was eighty seven, eighty eight. And I would get up in the middle of the night. It's a picture of Jesus, and he's holding a lamb. I now have that in my office, and I look at it every day. But I would get up in the middle of the night, and I would stand by that picture of Jesus holding the lambs and the sheep around him, and and I would hear not an audible voice. But I heard, you know what I'm talking about. I heard Jesus call me by name, Harvey, do you love me? I sat there with tears running down my face. You know I love you. Then do something about that love. Tend my sheep, feed the lambs. All those words came pouring in. I could hear his voice. Harvey, do you love me? That's why it has so much meaning to me personally. But I also believe that it is one of my favorite stories because it reveals the nature of God as He desires to have a relationship with you and I. God wants a personal relationship with you. 
That's the gospel. That's why we sing. That's why we preach. That's why we come together. God wants to know us personally. This story captures that in a beautiful way for me. Keep in mind that God has walked on this earth for 33 years in Jesus. The incarnation of God. God became human. The deity becoming human flesh. This is what we teach. This is what we believe. This is what the Word teaches. And so here He is. He's been crucified. He was killed. He was buried. But then He rises from the dead. And in my mind, this is where it grabs me, of all the things that Jesus could have been doing. I mean, why? wonder, could He have gone to Pilate and said, Boo! Could, could He have taken out an entire nation? He could have. But again, of all the things that he could have been doing, here he is in this scene fixing breakfast with these guys that were confused and uncertain about what they were supposed to do next and what was going to happen next. And he gives all of them, but especially we have the scene with Simon Peter, an opportunity to have a heart-to-heart conversation with his disciples. And I'm, I'm trying to express when I preach this, and I am this morning, I wished I could express to you in a way what I feel and what I think when I read this story. Because the, the cool thing about this is that God desires to meet you right where you are at in your life. Wherever it is this morning, and some of us have got some tough things going on in our life. And in the middle of all of that, these confused disciples who want to go back to something that they're familiar with. We've seen Jesus a couple of times, but they're kind of weirded out by it. They saw Him crucified. They saw Him dead. And yet here He is alive. with body is completely healed. And He's standing there talking to Him. And He's still talking about, I've got to ascend to the Father. And they're trying to wrap their minds around all of it. And so he fixes breakfast for them. All of the events of the last few days, they've had to be overwhelming to them. What's going to happen next? But you see, it's kind of like your life and in my life. I'm uncertain what's going to happen tomorrow. I have personal things in my life connected with our son Dave and issues in his life. I don't know what's going to happen next. You too have those things. Just like the disciples in John 21, we find ourselves on this side of Easter, a couple of weeks away as we have celebrated it, but for them, some time has gone by. The excitement of the empty tomb is over. We now find ourselves having to continue to walk in a world where there is sin, there is temptation, and there are struggles. And, and we, we know, we know, we confess, we just sing about it. We know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. But we still struggle with, with tough issues and sometimes just the brokenness of life. Perhaps we hear the words that Paul wrote, and Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy, this last letter. He said, my departure's at hand. Those are dying words. It's the last letter he wrote. As far as we know, Paul was beheaded. But after he said, my departure's at hand, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race 
and I have kept the faith. We realize also we're in a battle. We too fight the good fight. We, we, keep, we have to keep running the race. We, we keep the faith. But the good news and the power of this story is we don't have to do it alone. The living God wants to have breakfast with us. And y'all know I'm, I'm talking more than just about breakfast. I'm talking about relationship every day. He invites us to have breakfast with Him. He desires an intimate relationship with each of us on a personal level. That's what He wants. That's why He died. He wants you. And He wants you daily. I was in seminary at Asbury. This is going back 24, 25 years ago. The chaplain was Dr. David Siemens. He preached one day in chapel on this text, John 21. I'll never forget it. Because he he sort of set the stage. Dr. Siemens kept talking about the importance of communion and that the disciples and Jesus had had the last supper. But then he said in his sermon, it's the first time I'd heard he preach this way, that this passage in John 21 reminds us of the beauty of the first breakfast. So while we need the Last Supper and all that it brings to us, we also need the first breakfast. We need relationship. Jesus went through the Last Supper, the crucifixion and the death, so that we could have breakfast with Him on a daily basis. Relationship. That's why He did it. I know that we don't know what all they talked about, the disciples and Jesus, when they were around that campfire, and they must have said some things. When I got through preaching on Thursday, Fred Sington came up to me and asked me, have you watched the movie, the Bible, the A.D., the Bible? And I I said bits and pieces of it. He said, the other night it showed John 21. So I pulled it up on the TV on Xfinity and I watched it Friday night. Powerful, powerful. Uh, the whole scene, it went all the way back to the empty tomb when Mary Magdalene uh, didn't recognize that Jesus was standing there. And, you know, where have you taken him? And he called her by name, Mary. And she turns and looks and says, Rabona. When I was watching it the other night, every hair on my body stood up, even the hairs on my legs. You know how you get that sense of presence of God. It showed the scene where Jesus was fixing breakfast for the disciples. Now, in my imagination, because we have to use our imagination when we read the Bible, there's certain details like how did Simon Peter go off the end of the boat? Did he do a full gainer? Did he just dive in? I mean, your imagination goes, but we know he swam to the shore. And then how many other people were around? The scene was a lot different in the movie that I had ever pictured in my mind, but nonetheless, very powerful. But we don't know what all they talked about, which I'm sure was more. One thing we do know that was recorded by John is that Jesus asked one question and he repeated it three times. We can't deny that. He looked at him and he said, do you love me? And he asked him a second time and then the third time. What I want to leave with you today is that you and I will continue to hear Jesus as long as we walk with him. I believe, and I'm asking you to consider hearing him ask you this question this week, this day. Do you love me? Because it's the only question that matters, and it matters how we answer. 
You, Simon Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Then do something about it, Peter. Feed my sheep. Tend the lambs. Then he asked him again, was that not a, do you love me? And he keeps repeating it. I want to suggest to you that Jesus still repeats the same question to us. And why wouldn't he? Because you remember when the lawyer came up and asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And and he said, Hear, O Israel, you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And Jesus said, The second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets are hanging on this commandment. So it's a good question. Do you love me? So I want to leave you and ask you to remember two things from this story today. Two things to remember. Number one, it is a very good idea to have breakfast with Jesus every day. The second thing is this. Jesus will always ask you the same question that he asked Simon Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? How will you answer? Let's pray together. Father, I've tried to express, I know what this story has done for me in my relationship with you. It is a beautiful story of a God who wants relationship with us. Lord, I pray you would speak this into the hearts of my brothers and sisters. And let us leave here hearing that question from you to each of us personally. Just simply, do you love me? And help us by the grace of God on the rest of our journey of faith as we keep the faith to keep keep answering that question as best we can. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts now as we give invitation to respond to your word. Give us freedom to respond. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.